Hello and welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dudman, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm better. I'm healed from last week's podcast. It only took you about three days to recover, I guess? Yeah, the... The I think the mistake was this Guinness milkshake needs a shot of Jameson. But those are always those it's it's a really good idea until it isn't. It's a great idea until the next morning. But before we start worrying about tomorrow, let's worry about tonight. Let's smoke a cigar. What are you smoking, Trey? I am smoking one of my favorite cigars of all time. Um anyone who smoked a cigar with me knows that this is my um, we've talked before about the monogamous cigar smoker. This is it for me. It's the Tennessee Waltz by Crowned Heads. I absolutely love this cigar. You know, and it's funny, since we've started doing the podcast, you've actually gotten me to give Crowned Heads a second chance. I didn't realize what a fanboy I was of Crowned Heads until I had to start looking for cigars to bring to do recordings. And that seemed to be all I would ever grab. And I was like, I, I, finally I realized, like, man, I am just, I am all about some crowned heads. Well, and it's interesting, tomorrow night they're having a crowned heads event at the Cigar Room in Madison, Alabama. Are they really? What cigar will they not have? <laughs> well, they will not have the Tennessee Waltz. Uh, yeah, so I apologize in advance for getting a little self-referential. Um, this is a cigar that you can actually only get within the borders of Tennessee. Uh, the company Crowned Heads, as I've mentioned before, is actually based here in Nashville, and this was a special, I want to call it a special edition. Um, it's not a limited run. Um, it's, a, it's part of their main line, but it's, it's a special edition because the Tennessee Waltz has significant impact for them, and they created this cigar as kind of a totem to that. It's, uh, the, ten, t- the song, the Tennessee Waltz, also, um, means great things to me as well, being a native Tennessean. I have Tennessee pride, like Texans have Texas pride, if you can believe that. Um, But also, as someone who went to school at Baylor, um, the Tennessee Waltz, the the Baylor Golden Wave Band actually plays that song at the end of every home football game. Um, I I don't remember the exact connection, um, but considering Baylor's playing in the Sweet 16 this weekend. Actually, by the time this podcast comes out, they either, yay, we won, or, uh, well, it was it was a good run. I'll just edit that later. And uh, <laughs> you can figure it out according to how your bracket works. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I thought this was the perfect time to spark it up. It's well, a, oh, go ahead. And I always think of Opryland when I think of the Tennessee Waltz. When Opry, Opryland had a ride called the Tennessee Waltz, you basically got into this great big swing thing, and it spun you around with the swings. And there was never a line at this ride because it seated like 80 people. Right. You know, you could put half the park on this ride at one time. So I ended up riding it a lot because I'm not good at waiting in line. <laughs> I haven't thought about Opryland or that particular attraction. I, I don't think I maybe did it maybe two or three times ever just because it was the front of the park. It wasn't the big, I was a kid, you know, the roller coasters, all that stuff. But that's funny. I had not, I have not thought about that in years. I've, I've every time I go to Opry Mills, I kind of cry just a little because I think Opryland was far and away a better ideal. Well, at least you have the benefit of now spending $14 million of your taxpayer money to build a water park at the hotel that we'll never be able to use. 
Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, that's a little inside baseball. Shane, distract me. What are we smoking tonight? So tonight, in honor of, we're going to talk about themed cigars. And it's bad, but every time I get a themed cigar, I'm always surprised when it's good. And I know that's a strange thing, but tonight I'm going to smoke the Sam Crow Chapel Edition. It's a Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. I love Sumatra. It's a Nicaraguan binder, a Nicaraguan filler, and the country of origin is actually Honduras. So Sam Crow, is that? Sam Crow, if you didn't watch the series on FX, Sons of Anarchy, it stands for Sons of Anarchy Motorcycle Club Redwood Originals. It's the mother club in the series, but... Um, comes with the best box in cigars, a hand-carved, and it has the Sons of Anarchy logo emblazoned in it. We'll put a picture of the box on Instagram so everyone can see. It's really, it's really interesting because I, I share your, I share your, uh, I guess, pain point maybe of the fact that theme cigars very rarely live up to what your expectation is, and I guess, I guess to that extent, you could almost kind of say that the Tennessee Waltz falls into that because it's not necessarily a regular run cigar. It's it's kind of one that, that the prestige and the illusion and the story and all this stuff, kind of like this, kind of like the Samco does, um, it kind of builds a story around itself that oftentimes becomes more than the cigar itself. Well, you know, the latest one in these that I've seen was the Lucius Lions. They now have a Lucius Lions cigar from the um, TV series Empire. Really? Oh, yeah. They have one of his cigars. And um, this one's made by Black Crown. And I had never smoked anything from Black Crown till I got this cigar. But since then, I've tried several of their others and have really enjoyed them. It's really opened up a different cigar retailer and a different experience. Their style. The style of cigar that Black Crown makes is something that I'm not used to. It's not as premium, but it's by no means a machine made. It's very good. See, I'm not familiar with Black Crown. Is that someone that I should have heard about at some point already, or is that something that you just know of because of this particular cigar? The, I just know of this because of this particular cigar, because okay. I was such a fanboy when the series was on. And just flipping through and finding different stuff, there's actually a Sons of Anarchy sticker on my humidor. I haven't noticed that. And that's that's just one of the many, one of those things that I really like. Um motorcycles i love motorcycles i love seeing them but i always say motorcycles is like a beautiful woman my wife don't mind me looking but she'd kill me if i brought one home (laughs) (laughs) so it's um just like the whole thing about it um the other motorcycle cigar the indian i smoked it the week we had tim hall here oh that's right i forgot about that one Another gimmicky cigar. I guess the first, I have to keep from calling them gimmick cigars because that has a negative connotation and they're not necessarily negative. Well, I think theme theme cigars is probably a good way to go on that. Well, I say gimmick because every wrestler has a gimmick. Right. And so that's where my mind immediately goes back to is wrestling. <laughs> so the... um. First themed cigar I smoked, my pastor was having his first daughter, his first child, and I went and bought us two of the CAO Soprano Special Editions, the Boss. That is the first cigar I think of when talking about a themed cigar. That's a, that's immediately where my mind goes. They were, And they were wonderful, and now they, they're actually so good, they've now re-released them as the conciliary. 
And the Brazilian wrapper is, I think, the secret to that. That's the only Brazilian wrapper I smoke. I even like it better than the CAO Brazil. Oh, is that right? Has a real good flavor to it. Um, just always been a good cigar. And now that they don't have to pay the Sopranos royalty, it's a lot cheaper cigar. Is that how? Is that why they changed the name? Was to get outside of that? I believe so. I or believe is it a contract thing? Probably some a little bit of both. Probably a little bit of both. When they were first released, the least of them was like sixteen bucks. Yeah. And, and the boss that I bought was like twenty two bucks a cigar. And that was back when the average cigar price was closer to six bucks than it than it is now. I mean, that was that was what season two or three of the show i mean it was really early on i was still in college at the time so it's been at least eight nine years ago yes if we'd been doing the show at that time we'd had a feature called cigar under five dollars <laughs> <laughs> and we'd have never run out of material no great stuff but the the themed cigars i've i've always been surprised when i enjoy them but i do like it i do like having my cigar tied to a memory of the show or something like that. I, I really enjoy that aspect of it. I'm not such a fanboy. I buy a cigar just for that, but I do enjoy it. Well, and it's the same kind of thing um, where it, it maybe maybe it branches out from theme a little bit. But if I see someone smoking a cigar on TV or in a movie, the first thing I do is look at the band and I look and see what the, what they're what they're smoking. And that is something that will make me go out and buy that cigar. Um, at least if it's one I either, if it's one I don't know, or if it's one I know and like, it, it'll be it's a little subliminal kind of thing where it's like, oh, I should go, you know, man, I haven't had a, a Davidoff Nicaragua in a while. You know, that makes me want to go pick it up or whatever. I was actually reading an article today about that very thing. What cigar were they smoking in the show? Ron Perlman, he was in Sons of Anarchy, but he also played Hellboy. Do you know what kind of cigar Hellboy smoked? I have no idea. Hoya de Nicaragua. Is that right? That's what they have it pegged as on the article I read. Of course, there's no way for me to verify that. <laughs> well, if I'm watching that movie, I'm not looking at his hands to see what cigar he's smoking. <laughs> well, and the, the interesting thing is they said, wow, how can you smoke cigars all day for 10 hours of shooting in full makeup? He said, I smoke cigars all day anyway. It really doesn't matter to him. So. <laughs> That's one of those, how can you not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a movie set for 10 hours a day. There's nothing to do but smoke cigars. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I've always heard. I've never been in a movie or on a movie set, but I can just imagine. How did you end up on a movie set? I hate to get away from cigars, but I've got to know. Um, well, it was a movie that I was producing. It was um, back long before you knew me. Um, in my previous life, I was I owned a video production company. And so I've made a couple of shorts, um, have entered a couple of film festivals and things like that. And so I've spent I, my my very late teens and early twenties were spent in that industry um, fairly consistently any, from about nineteen to twenty three. That's interesting. We I I would really love to do a cigar documentary one day about Drew Estate and how they've created such a subculture movement. Mm -hmm. um, I think it. From a marketing standpoint, it's brilliant, but I don't think they did it for the marketing. <laughs> well, I don't either, and and I think the proof in that is Room 101. Very similar marketing strategy, very similar larger-than-life patriarch of the company. 
um, but took it two very different directions and both equally successful. Um, so I think, I think the marketing and the uniqueness, or I think the uniqueness outweighs the marketing in that regard. See, it's, and Gurkha does great marketing. Gurkha mm-hmm. has some of the best marketing in the business, but it never feels as authentic to me. And that may be because I'm not partial to Gurkha cigars. Well, I also think part of that, at least for me, is how much of their stuff is branded with the East India Trading Company. Because they actually own the trademark on the East India Trading Company. You know, pirates fans will will recognize that name. And um, so they trade on that a lot because it it creates this emotional response with so many people, right? Um, but because it's a because it's something that's already recognizable as opposed to creating something recognizable, which is what Room 101 and, and Drew Estate did, I think maybe that's the difference. I, I don't know. I'm grasping at straws, but I, that's the that's the difference there that I notice. But you know, the East in, un, East India Trading Company makes me want to smoke it less because I'm totally against government overreach. <laughs> Which does bring up a little industry news that come up. Hey, today. we haven't done this in a while. Yeah, a little industry news, a little something. So today, the um, FDA filed a petition to have the um, lawsuit that Cigar Rights of America and some other companies are filing against the FDA for government overreach in the cigar industry. They filed to have their court date extended to August 30th. When was the original date? The original date, um, this article I'm reading does not say. But they have also already filed for a summary judgment, the Cigar Rights of America, saying clearly this is a government overreach situation. The FDA should not have restriction ability on premium cigars, which maybe you can explain this to me. You're smarter than I am. Maybe you could explain to me, how does the Food and Drug Administration get into cigars when we have a Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms? Money. I think that's it. I think it's a cash grab. It's 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 absolutely a cash grab. This is disclaimer. This is opinion. Um, but it's absolutely a cash grab, and and it's also it's. I, but I think it's a cash grab from the constituency. And what I mean by that is, if you're someone who's in favor of this, if you can say that you were a part of getting cigars out of the hands of children and you can say all of these lovely things when it's re-election time then it especially when there is such a um feeling of anti-smoking just in the general public i think it gives you ammunition come re-election time to get more donations and things like that i'll do more things to help protect your kids from the boogeyman who likes cigars and flavored cigarettes and i i, I really think that's what it is but maybe i'm just cynical Well, it's ridiculous to think, one, it's ridiculous to put cigarettes and cigars in the same category. It's apples and oranges to me. The only thing they have in common is they're both tobacco. Well, and see, I even reject that. I don't, I refuse to call it a tobacco product because there's so little in a cigarette that is tobacco compared to a cigar, especially, you know, it's mostly, you know, pig feet and asbestos and cyanide and whereas a cigar is actually tobacco and if 
I think it's going to be really interesting. Don't let me get on a tangent too big here, but I think it's going to be interesting now that we're starting to see some states legalize marijuana. You know, testing of an illegal substance is kind of one of those gray areas. It's hard to study because it's illegal. So can you legally study something that's illegal to use? Um, but everyone's talking about how it'll, you know, cure cancer and heal the lame and, and you know, raise your credit score and, you know, like all these amazing things that it'll supposedly do. But I think once we start studying the fact that it's not the nicotine, it's not the tobacco, it's, it, it's the smoke. Smoke is an irritant. And by not inhaling it, Cigars are inherently better because they don't damage the lung tissue. Same, and I think once once the marijuana thing comes out, they'll find that it's just as harmful from a histography um, standpoint, from a biologic standpoint. Now, it may have some other effects, but smoke is smoke. It's an irritant. And I think, sorry to all the people out there that are pro-marijuana, I think when they start studying marijuana and legalize it, because I think it's just a matter of time before it's legalized in this country. And frankly, I don't care. I'm not going to use it if it is legal for the same reason that I don't go out and get plastered. It's just not in my nature. I'm not of that that ilk. And that's the thing. Like, it's funny. I've, I've never once, never will. It's not really my jam. You know, um, I prefer alcohol. And, but I want it to be legal. I think it should be legal. Um, if for a tax revenue standpoint than anything else. But at the same time, yeah, I think um, I think that's definitely the way we're headed. And I think that we're going to learn so much about it once it is universally legal in the country. Well, and I think so much of the so-called medicinal properties will be proven well, yeah, it'll it'll do that, but you can take this pill and it'll do it twice as well with half the side effects. And, well, <laughs> we we may be about to disagree a little bit. Um, I'm I I I play this very fine line between, and this is a cigar podcast. We'll get back to it soon, I'm sure. Um, I'm not much of a pharmaceutical kind of guy. Uh, again, the cynicism and hello FDA. Clearly, they don't have our best interest in mind. Um, I, I think it. I think we will learn more about the side effects. I don't think they'll be as bad as pharmaceuticals, um, but I think some of that has been lost in the people that claim it'll cure diabetes and it'll you know regrow your leg and it'll do all these other things that it probably doesn't. Um, but there haven't been been able to be enough big studies that it gets there. But anyway, well, let's talk about our cigars a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I do have to say, I do firmly believe marijuana is the 21st century equivalent to 18th century garlic. Because when the Europeans first started getting garlic, everything was be healed by garlic. You got a bad cold, garlic. You, you got a sniffles, garlic. You got vampires, garlic. It's... It was. I think marijuana is that. I think it's modern day garlic. It very well maybe. I mean, no. I think. I think that's a very. You know, that's. There's always the new thing's always going to be the thing, right? Right. But now let's go to the new thing. I see you have a res- accessory to review tonight. I do, and it, so when you know when we first started talking about this this podcast, doing ex- doing product reviews on accessories was the 
thing I was most excited about because I am a gadget nut. First and foremost, I just, I love things, especially things that go bing and boom and swish and, you know. So what I've brought is a lighter that I've actually had um, for a couple of years now. <laughs> Did the dove just fly into the blind? Uh, yes. <laughs> right behind. Okay. We're going to pull this show over for a minute. We'll get to the review of the lighter here in a minute, but... This may be the first podcast ever interrupted by a dove attack. I have a dove that has decided it's going to build a nest on my porch regardless of whether I want it to or not. And last year this dove built a nest on my porch and I ran it out of the nest and it flew right into the ceiling fan and covered my wife in feathers. This was very dangerous. One, I almost fell off the ladder laughing and two she almost killed me for laying on the ground laughing about the dove feathers covering her (laughs) and now that same dove is stalking us this evening well because you found she rebuilt her nest in the exact same place she did last year and as long as we've got the show derailed we started the show got about five minutes in and i couldn't concentrate because this man was so focused on the dove flying around behind me that I couldn't focus on because the beady little eyes were just darting back and forth left and right. <laughs> oh, I'm still having to make a conscious effort <laughs> not to look and see the dove flying back there. But eventually, this is going to be settled by me, the dove, a 12-gauge, and a lawsuit filed from the HOA against me. I have no doubt. <laughs> because this dove builds a nest right where my lights are. And the power for my lights are. This dove is not trying to build a nest. This is not an innocent dove. This dove is trying to burn my house down. (laughs) So please excuse us if you hear a lot of ruckus. If it sounds like a scene out of a Hitchcock movie, just bear with us. We'll be back. But what got me so distracted was the fact that it was sitting on the on the ledge right behind. Just if it had had lasers for eyes, you'd be dead. It was. It was it, I, this thing is sentient. Uh, it's it's a self aware bird. It's not your average bird. <laughs> I will keep you updated on the battle of the dove. But me, I have a owl, a plastic owl, a plastic hawk, and a concrete gargoyle. This dove is fearless. <laughs> None of these things have run it off. So, oh, by the way, if you do, please go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thecigarcast, and tell me how to get rid of this dove without getting into a firefight. I would just love, I would love for that to be a post. I know we try to keep it about cigars, but please, if you have a home remedy that gets rid of doves, I'll even try garlic, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Or marijuana. (laughs) Well, I got to draw the line somewhere. I'll try any legal means to get rid of this dove. Uh, give it a couple of years. So, all right, I'll tell you what. Let's actually take a break. Um, let's deal with the avian nuisance, and uh, we'll come right back after this. The Cigar Cast presents Cigar Etiquette Tip of the Week. Hi, this is Tim Hall. Remember when you're sitting down to smoke a cigar, it's about enjoying the cigar and enjoying conversation. If your cigar is constantly going out, it probably means that you're talking too much. Take time to listen. And welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Reeves, now Dove Free. 
sitting across the table from Trey Deadman. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Shane, um, I'm interested to find out since theme cigars are kind of the one of our topics that we talked about, and that's what you're enjoying. I want to now that you've had a chance to get into it, and you're about halfway through the cigar. I want to know how it's treating you. This is a cigar that when I first got them, I got this box about three years ago, and they were good. But I'm going to tell you, a couple of years in the humidor, and this cigar has come alive. Um, I'm getting a little pepper. Got a little bit of pepper, but more than anything, I'm getting that Sumatra taste. You know, Sumatra, you taste it kind of on the, for me, it's kind of the southeast quadrant of my tongue. <laughs> I know that's... A, Down around the 48th parallel? <laughs> yeah. Never crosses the equator, but it's there. But I feel the Sumatra. Um, Sumatra is one of my favorite flavors, both from a standpoint of tasting it and saying it. So really, really getting into this cigar. And the older they get, the better they get. I need to just go ahead and break down and order another box and let them be aging. So when these are done, I'll have more. Is that something that they're still making? Can you find more of those if you want them? You can. Actually, when we ordered this, we had to wait two weeks because they had to have someone hand carve the box. I can't wait to post that picture of that box so that other people can see what it. It's really the the, the craftsmanship that goes into the box really tells the story about the uh, you know the the craftsmanship that goes into the cigar itself, right? You know, it, it's all kind of tells one story. Now, tell me about the Tennessee Waltz. We talked about why you loved it. I want to hear what it tastes like. All right. So yeah, I did get a little ethereal earlier. Um, so the Tennessee Waltz is a Nicaraguan cigar. Um, it's a, it only comes in one size. It's a five and a half by 52 and it's got a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper and Nicaragua binder and filler. Very heavy on the spice. In fact, our good friend Austin, who was on a previous episode, originally hated the cigar because of how much pepper flavor it was. Uh, this is a guy whose palate pretty much mirrors mine, but I like pepper as much as I like spice. And I know I'm getting nitpicky by using those as two different flavor profiles, but there really is a difference. And this, there's so much pepper in this, it really hits you on the back of the tongue. And what I'm really looking forward to is when it gets down to about three inches left. That's when that spice and that flavor really opens up on this cigar. And it gets a little hot, which I don't know if it's my particular palette or if it's just this particular cigar but i really love this cigar when it gets really low and it starts burning a little hot and i get a lot more of that oil and those flavors breaking down and really really showing through well and let's talk about that for a moment i have a lot of people say oh i smoked that cigar and after an inch of it i couldn't stand it and i threw it out that's because the first inch, you were only tasting the char of the fact that you lit it wrong, and it was never a good cigar to begin with. And so how far down do you smoke a cigar before you render judgment? Until it's necessary? I know that's not a very good answer. Um, you know, the first, the first half an inch to an inch, there's going to be a certain amount of whatever your palate, whatever state your palate was in when you went into the um, endeavor. There's going to be a certain extent of how you lit it. Now, if you use a Bic or if it's a relight or something like that, I'm not going to pay much attention to it. Um, 
But I would say by about an inch or an inch and a half, you should have the full, especially with the way everyone's rolling nowadays, where it's supposed to be a consistent flavor all the way through with the very few exceptions of cigars specifically intended to, to change. You know, by an inch and a half, two inches, or an inch to an inch and a half, that's what that cigar tastes like. If you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine too. My measuring is a little more esoteric in that I like to feel of the body of the cigar outside the wrapper. And when I feel that the tobacco has gotten warm, when I feel when the cigar feels a little warmer than room temperature and I feel like the tobacco has gotten warm enough to really come alive, that's when I render judgment on a cigar. And I think, you know, now if if I were a professional cigar reviewer or if I was like I would probably take a little bit more care into you know the specifics of when and how and where and all that stuff um maybe it's just the fact that I've been smoking so long that I kind of know where it is for me um I'm not sure but I'd say I'd say our two measurements probably are more similar than we realize, even though mine's length and yours is thermodynamic. Wow, that that sounds pretty scientific. <laughs> so coming back to before the Dove interrupted our, interrupted our podcast this week, you were talking about a new accessory, a new lighter. Please fill us in. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. So those of you that have been listening for a while have heard Many times, the lighter that I typically use on the podcast is an ST DuPont, so it's got that little ping. It's a soft flame with a roller flint. I am a super fan of the soft flame flint lighters for a couple of reasons. Um, jets break. I don't care what the manufacturer tells you about their warranty or about how good they're... St- it, they break. It's just the nature of the beast. The thing I love about the soft flame is that they don't break. The flint wears out. You can buy a five-pack of flints for $2.50 at the Walgreens, and you're back in business. What I'm reviewing today is the Julius by Calibri. Now, I used to work for Calibri, so they do have a soft spot in my heart a little bit. I will admit that. Um, But I've had this lighter for, like I said, a couple of years I have been carrying that DuPont, but I, recently it just it ran out of fluid. I couldn't find my adapter, so I just picked this up and started carrying it again. And I am falling back in love with this lighter. So what makes it a little different is that it's a modern flint lighter. So it's a little bit bigger, a little bit heavier, um, has a fuel window. And what they they did something really neat with this one, which is the f- the fuel window is actually tinted. So when it's full of liquid fuel, it actually turns blue. So you're not having to do that lighter dance where you're like flipping it around trying to figure out where that fuel level is. It's, it's very, very easy to, to see. It's got a huge roller, so you get a good strike of the flint every time. Um, and it's got what's called a, and you might have to help me with this, um, Packmire grip. Is that the Correct. the texture that you normally see on pistol grips and things like that? Yeah. So it's got a, it got a great hand feel. Um, the other thing that I really like is the fact that it's a double flame. So there's actually two different. Um, let me turn it up for you so you can see it. There's actually two different jets. Um, so you get two separate flames. 
Um, so you get extra coverage of the cigar. Um, so it lights, you know, I, I've, I've talked long about how the thing I like about soft flame is you get all the coverage of a triple jet, but you get the better fuel efficiency. This just turns that up a notch. Um, well, and that also looks like it would function as a pipe lighter. It does. It's a little tricky. Um, I'm not a huge pipe guy. Uh, there's something about the ease of a cigar. I cut it, I light it, I enjoy it. The pipe, I own a pipe. I enjoy pipe tobacco, but I haven't spent enough time with my pipe to the point that I'm good at it. It takes practice. I wonder why no one out there has ever developed pipe tobacco in pellets, where you just drop a pellet in, and you've been around the industry longer than I have, but it... I would love to have a pellet of pipe tobacco that I could just drop in my pipe and I wouldn't have to worry about packing it and light it and smoke. So kind of like you do with your barbecue or something like that, where it's just, it takes all the guesswork out of it? Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm sure someone's had the idea, or maybe they haven't. Um, copyright Shane Reeves. So, <laughs> because that would, that, like, idiot-proofing, yeah. The, the pipe smoking experience would make me enjoy it more. Well, you know, my pipes, I have Mario Grandes. They're handmade in Italy. You can get them on eBay. Really reasonable. They're $60, $70 a pipe. And I love my pipe, but it is a lot of work. You've got to pack it just right. Then you've got to light it. And my pipe is primarily used when I'm finishing up with something, but I don't have, I want to smoke, but I don't have time to smoke an entire cigar. That's usually when I'll reach for my pipe. You know, last week we watched The Quiet Man and we were coming up on the grand finale fight scene of The Quiet Man and it was a perfect amount of time for me to have a pipe. Mm -hmm. And I sat and enjoyed my pipe in that instance. But I do agree with you. It is it is an inordinate amount of work for the amount of time that you get joy out of a pipe. It is. And, you know, I've mentioned before, I smoke in the car a lot. You know, that's not really a good opportunity for pipe smoking. Although my grandfather did it. And I, I wish I could go back in time and watch and figure out how he was able to accomplish that. Um, well, and the important thing, and uh, there was a Patrick McManus story. Him and his buddy... And his other friend and his dog were riding down a mountain trail coming home from fishing. And his buddy ran out of pipe tobacco, so they handed him a cigar. They were coming down this mountain trail curve, and he forgot it was a cigar instead of a pipe and grabbed it by the end. Oh. And he said the next five minutes was a amount of chaos he'll never understand. But it ended with him driving his two buddies in the floorboard and the dog sitting in the seat next to him smoking the cigar. <laughs> I'm a big Patrick McManus fan, so I always like to share one of his stories whenever I get the chance. If, you, if you've never read A Fine and Pleasant Misery by Patrick McManus, go get it. It's well worth the time. It's short stories. Wonderful book. Highly recommend that book. But... Coming back to your accessories. Sorry, I sidetracked you. No, no, that's quite all right. Um, so, yeah, so it it will work as a pipe lighter. I have used it to that effect. Um, you know, it uses... The other advantage it has to the to the Dupont is the fact that it, it actually uses the standard nozzle on the um, butane can, so you don't have to have an adapter. Um, 
it's just a fantastic lighter. It is a Swiss Army knife. You know, I mean, it just, I can pull it out of my pocket and I know it's going to strike the first time. I've run through three flints on it. The striking wheel is still in great shape. Now, I will say, at $125, it's not cheap. But, you know, what's that good is? Well, it seems like Calibri is the master of the multi-use accessory. Um, One of our friends at the cigar shop picked up a lighter the other day that's a golf lighter. And it actually has a divot tool in the lighter. And the hood of the lighter is curved so that you can set your cigar on the top of the um, lighter while you're putting. If you don't like to put a cigar in your mouth. And not only that, and I don't even know if he realizes this, but the uh, little button that you slide to put the divot tool out actually pops off. It's a ball marker as well. That's To me, that sort of thing's brilliant. I love multi-use things. Of course, I'm a huge everyday carry guy. Everyday carry accessories really appeal to me because I like having things on me to be able to do whatever I need to do. Whatever the situation, I carry a Gerber shard, which is basically a miniature crowbar. And you'd be amazed how often a miniature crowbar will save you a knife, breaking a knife blade. Because my father will break a knife blade in a heartbeat. You know, he's, he's bad to try to pry the engine out of an 88 Volkswagen with a knife blade. I've got a number of knives actually in my little box on my end table that just broken blades. And just for the record, if you do have a buck knife and you break the blade, mail it back to them. They'll send you a brand new one. Is that right? Buck knives have one of the best warranties in the knife industry. I've always carried a buck knife. Um, My late grandfather, he got me started carrying a buck knife because he always believed in them. And um, just really wonderful. I got to share a special moment with one of my uncles where I, at his funeral, I slipped a buck knife in his pocket. I couldn't bear the thought of him going anywhere without a knife in his pocket. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. But coming back to cigars, so let's talk about the cigar under eight dollars this week you want to talk about that for a few minutes let's do it. and i and i do want to give a uh, special mention to the person who suggested this which is uh one of our listeners mr aaron hooks was the one um just today that said hey he was enjoying this cigar and he said next time you guys talk about a cigar under eight dollars you got to talk about the tatawahe tattoo and i couldn't agree more great cigar they are um the, they're nicaraguan which seems like we lead toward Nicaraguan cigars a lot in this podcast, but I enjoy Nicaraguan tobacco. I, I do too. I, you get a little. I, I find them to be more flavorful um, and a little bit more complex than Dominicans. Um, well, and the one I'm looking at tonight is the Tatuaje Tattoo Caballero. It is a robusto size, which is about a five by forty. Is that usually about where robusto lies in the size chart? Uh, you're looking closer to fifty-two, fifty, fifty-two, and five dollars suggested retail price, and that's a lot of smoke for five bucks. And it really is. I there are very few cigars that I like as much of as that one, not accounting for price. Well, and all of the tatuaje tattoo. Tatawahe tattoo line. They have the Caballero, they have the Universo, the Advino, the Bonito, and the Noella. They're all $5 and less. Mm-hmm. And the tattoo line actually replaced uh, what they used to have, the Series P, 
was their original budget line that they came out with. And I can't tell you how many countless, uh, probably six boxes of those cigars I smoked. And uh, the tattoo is a great follow-up to that because it adds a certain level of complexity to the blend that was missing in the original Siri P. But with the different sizes, you can find something you're going to like. And it's, and it's a tatuaje. Like, it, you know it's a great cigar. Well, and I had a great Tatuaje experience last year. They had the Tatuaje Henry Clay's come out. We used to have a friend that smoked Dutch Masters. And it was in the old days when, before pickup trucks had extended cabs, when everybody sat in the front. And my father would be driving, I would be sitting in the middle, and Jimmy Donaldson, dear friend of our family, would be puffing on a... um, Dutch Master. And that was my first real experience with cigar. And the Henry Clay, I know the Dutch Masters is a machine-made cigar nowadays. Back then, I don't know if they were or not. But the Henry Clay from Tatuaje, give it a try. If you liked that old-timey cigar smell, it has that flavor, and I really enjoy that about it. And, you know, that's the thing I love about about Tatawahe is the fact that, you know, we're talking about a $5 cigar, which, again, you know, go back a decade, that's the average. It's very common. Nowadays, not quite so much. And typically, when you start looking at budget, you sacrifice flavor second, construction first. But because it's got that Tatawahe name on it, you're not sacrificing, sacrificing either one of those. And we've spoken before about Tatawahe's Monster Series, how they're very good, how they're enjoyable. Got a new humidor this weekend and found out that I had two Tatawahe Jekylls that I didn't know I had. Just buried at the bottom because you hadn't, yeah. Yeah, just buried at the bottom of the old humidor. I went to a larger humidor this week and um, have all my cigars laid out. And, of course, I'm so ADD. I have to have all my cigars pointing the same direction, grouped by types and everything like that. And it's actually saved me a lot of time in the choosing process because I have it all laid out there in front of me very neatly. Well, see, because I I approach, and I'm sure you're the same way, that I approach uh, choosing my cigar kind of the same way I do choosing lunch. So when I leave work and I go to lunch or when I'm going to dinner, whatever it is, I, I know what I want to eat. And I pick the restaurant based on what has the best version of whether it's a, you know, a chicken parm sandwich or a pizza or whatever it is. And so with cigars, it's the same thing. Like when I go to the humidor, I know exactly what I'm going after. It's not going to be the same thing every time, but I know exactly what I'm headed. And so having a, having a strategic plan around the layout of a humidor uh, makes a, you know, like you said, saves you time. It's just really easy to be like, boop, there it is. Well, the coming back, wrapping up the cigar under $8, try the Tatuahe tattoo. I said that four times and didn't mess it up, and I got it messed up on the last time. I was really, I was so proud of my enunciation there for about five minutes. <laughs> so coming back to cigars, the cigar industry and everything, um, just to update everyone, our local shop, Crown Cigars, where Austin has taken over. Um, has he done an outstanding job with that humidor or what? You know, I've got to say, I have not been there in a while, um, just for whatever reason. It, it 
it hasn't been on my way anywhere lately. And so when I got the opportunity down here, you know, I had to stop and grab a cigar. And of course, I knew they would have, you know, the Tennessee Waltz. So I stopped in there to see it. It was like, it was a whole new world. They've he's changed the lighting. It's beautiful in there. It's bright. You can actually see what the cigars are. There's cigars for days, which is something we haven't seen in a while. I mean, he's really pouring his heart and soul into that shop. And I think the cigar industry is built on passion, right? It's built on people who really care about the product they're making and selling and, and this and you can you can feel that when you walk in that shop now. But and that's the marker of a great shop. I really, I think a shop takes on the personality of its owner. And we had poker night there Tuesday, and he played poker with us. And um, we got to give cigars to Wounded Warriors, or to Cigars for Warriors charity. And he threw a few extra. He actually won this week. I think the game was fixed if I wasn't the commissioner. <laughs> but the um, what he's done with that shop has been really great course now you've got me wanting to bootleg a box of um tennessee waltz across the border and take them down to alabama for the crowned heads event and say look at this <laughs> well it, it's funny you mentioned that and and so tease a future episode it's going to be a couple of months before i can get my hands on one uh, but crowned heads also makes another limited run or special edition like the tennessee waltz called the yellow rose of texas you can only get it in texas it's the exact same blend, allegedly, uh, as the Tennessee Waltz, but it's a, uh, I don't know what you'd even call the size. It's, it's, it's bigger than a Bellicoso, but it's, it, you know, it's got a slight taper on the end. It's Honestly, I think that's the size this cigar should have been blended for because it's even better than the Waltz. So Austin, I think, is going to be working out a trade or something like that, so... I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna be able to get my hands on a few because I've had them before. Uh, back when I lived in Texas, it was all I smoked when I was there, and I can't wait to. Actually, I'd like when I do bring it on the show, I'd like to do a proper review of it because it's just a. It's hard to get, but anybody that you know, if you're on, if you're on social media, you know, first of all, follow us on on Twitter and Instagram at the Cigarcast, Facebook.com/slash/TheCigarcast, but. Um, you know, there's a lot of the great swap communities. So if if get plugged into the community online and you can you can find yourself in some swaps and some things like that, you can usually get your hands on some stuff that your local shop doesn't carry. I've dealt with that quite a bit with the Drew Estate with the Rat series because they have a Velvet Rat, they have the Ratzilla. Ratzilla has become more available. The Velvet Rat's still a little harder to get a hold of. They have one called Year of the Rat that I have not managed to swap out for yet, but I'm trying to trade my way up. I started with two pieces of lint and a broken cutter. <laughs> right now, I'm traded up to a Gurkha Imperial. I'm hoping to do better. So <laughs> we'll keep trading up till I get a year of the rat to review on this podcast. One night, I do want to have the Crowned Heads people here, and I'd love to talk to them about how they market cigars because they do an excellent job of marketing in an authentic manner. Well, and I think it's because they're so authentic. You know, it's if you if you hang out with Wes at all, you know that he's you know much like we talk about Austin having such a good passion for the industry and the cigars and the, that sort of thing. And that energy flows through that company at every level, and I think that's what makes the real difference. And it does. And again, the fish always stinks from the head down, and the top of the. Um, 
the top of the company, whether it be a cigar lounge, whether it be a cigar bar, whether it be a cigar company, the people at the head of that company are a direct reflection of how good those cigars are and how much you get to enjoy them when you sit down with one. Absolutely. Well, you know what, Shane? I think that is a perfect opportunity for us to step away, call it a week, and enjoy what little we have left of our cigars. Yeah, I've enjoyed this one tremendously. Um, It's a cigar I don't smoke very often, but now I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and it's really getting good to me. I think it's time to turn off the mic, prop our feet up. Um, The dove has left us alone. It's gotten dark. (laughs) So... Since you evicted it, it's going to have to find another place to sleep tonight. But So, um, until next week, this will be it for the Cigar Cast. <laughs>